It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. With Greg Davis. Priority Talk. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is Priority Talk. My name's Nate Williams. Greg Davis is out for the rest of this week, but I believe he should be in on Monday. Again, he's been in Israel last couple weeks. I'm excited for more news and stories, uh, updates uh, online on Facebook. He's been uploading pictures and videos and just having a great time from what I know. On Monday, we were able to talk with him on the phone, and that's on our podcast, Priority Talk, on Apple, Spotify, and other places, so you can go back and listen to that. But anyways, he'll be back next week, and I'm excited to talk with him about all of his travels. Uh, Stuart is with me. Stuart is our producer. He's manning the phone, so call in 205 941 1011. You can call or text that number. Uh, Stuart, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. We have a couple new stories we'll cover in this first segment. One is Carly Russell, as many of you no doubt have heard. She was, or at least she claimed, I believe, to be kidnapped. And then she reappeared a couple days later, and uh, Hoover, the Hoover Police Department doesn't seem overly concerned in that they're not saying, hey, watch out, there's someone on the loose that's picking up people, so we're not sure how true her story is. And I'll talk a little bit about that, and then I have a question for Stuart. Uh, the Hoover Police Department does not believe there is a threat to the public following the strange disappearance of... 25-year-old Carly Russell. Uh, let's see, going down. Uh, Hoover Police Chief Nick Durzis said Russell claimed she was abducted after calling 911 and reporting a baby walking alone on Interstate 459. He said investigators interviewed Russell after she returned home, but have not been able to, uh, since to get a second interview because her family is refusing to allow her to speak at this time. Uh, let's see. The police department play the 911 call Russell made. She told the dispatcher the boy she saw was three to four years old and was wearing a white T-shirt and a diaper. Uh, data from Russell's phone showed she traveled 600 yards while on the phone near the child. She got off the phone from 911 and called a family member. A few minutes later, Russell's mother called 911 and reported a family member heard Russell's scream and then nothing when the police arrived on the scene they found russell's vehicle phone wig and the tzatziki's food but not the items from work or target she apparently had gone to work and gone to target gotten a couple things anyways and so uh, eventually she uh, comes back i think 48 hours later roughly and reappears and she says someone had abducted her i think someone with i'm trying to find it in the article but uh, orange hair 
I think was it. Anyways, but before, you know, so the police go investigating CRI. Was she taken? Was she abducted? Was she adult napped, as it were? But they go and they search, and on in her internet, on her internet, whatever, web browser, search history, if I could say that correctly, uh, police found searches for Amber Alerts, how to take money from a register without being caught, bus tickets, and the movie Taken. Those searches were made days before she disappeared, and some were made the day of. Police do not think the public should be concerned about safety. We have no reason to believe there is a threat to public safety related to this case, Durzis said. Anyways, uh, signs kind of point. I I, I don't want to make light of this, so I want to be careful not to mock, as we so often can do. But between the internet search history and uh, the police department saying basically there's no threat to public safety don't be on the lookout for so and so and such and such we might conclude at this point that there's nothing to this other than the fact that she faked it you can't say for sure but it's kind of the signs are pointing this way uh, Stuart, do you have any thoughts on it uh, what do you think about just some of the things that have been said wasn't wasn't her search history our amber alerts free wasn't that what it was? I think that was I, it. Yeah, yes. I, I love the idea that if it had like cost anything, she might not have done, done any of this. Like if it was like a five dollar, ten dollar charge or something. Yeah, like eh, too much. Oh, but it's free. Let me let me go out and do this. Let me go out and and do this. Anyway, so this is the story Russell tells. Uh, she tells detectives she was snatched by a man who came out of the woods when she got out of her car to check on the child. So she's checking on this child, walking along uh, I-459. And she's checking on the child, but was snatched by a man. She said the next thing she knew, she was in the trailer of an 18-wheeler. She believed the man, and then there I guess there was a woman, and a baby was in the 18-wheeler. She claimed she escaped once, but was captured again and taken to a house while blindfolded. Eventually, she said she escaped after being put in another vehicle. That is when she returned home, claiming she had a headache, a small injury to her lip, and a rip in her shirt. So that's her story of, of her abduction. And, uh, yeah, police don't seem overly concerned. Was was she found on purpose? Do we know? Like. Was she doing this to, like, escape something, or was she doing this for attention, it seemed? I don't know. I've like, heard attention, but you never really know for sure, I guess, at this point. But, yeah, a couple people I read just uh, wants attention. Um, there's another story claiming that on social media she was making posts before this, I think, about just uh, wanting people like close to her or to say they love her or maybe she was just going through something personally uh. and then did this as a way of potentially again this is all if this is not true uh, her uh, allegations are not true that maybe she was kind of this in a way was a cry for help or a cry for, uh, trying to get attention something along those lines gotcha and so this leads me to believe if this was made up again you can't say for sure at this point, I don't think, but leaning towards the fact that it was made up. Stuart, my question for you, okay, if you had time, preparation, maybe money, what is something you think you could pull off and get away with? Uh, again, this is if uh, she's making this stuff up. Hmm, um, like a crime. Like a crime or, or something. Oh, gosh. 
Well, it definitely wouldn't be any like trespassing or anything. I feel I can't go out and do something. The anxiety of getting caught would just overtake me. I, just, I think me too. I don't. I don't know how people do all that stuff and just get away with the feeling of getting caught at any moment. It'd have to be something I could do at my home. So I'd probably have to do something with. <laughs> do I really want to say this? Um, Is it PG rated? It's you know it's just. Uh, you don't have to say anything you don't want to say. <laughs> it just got me thinking, like, man, if I if I wanted to, again, if she's faking it and just doing it for attention, if I wanted to pull off something, what could I pull off? I don't you know. You know, know. You sometimes you have a pet and, you know, they won't shut up. And you're just like, eh, I, I could just, I could get rid of you real quick, you know? Oops. Yeah. Yes. It, I could just, no one would ever know. No one would ever know. No one would ever Every know. Every time my cat won't shut up, I'm just like, ugh. I love you, but you know. Just, I love you, but like, will you and nobody knock would it off. ever know. No one will ever know. I'm the, I'm the one who loves you, so respect yes. me. Respect me. I Yep, and so it just kind of got me thinking along those lines. So that's one new story. Carly Russell, strange disappearance. She has a story. She was abducted, but the police department, the Hoover Police Department don't seem overly concerned, which kind of leads me to believe uh, they're not too worried about someone snatching people, at least at the moment. The next story I'm going to cover just makes me scratch my head. There was an American soldier who ran away to North Korea. You'll hear about the reverse, someone in North Korea trying to escape, trying to make it out. But apparently there was an American soldier detained in North Korea. He was supposed to, to go head back to the U.S., be on a flight, heading back to the U.S., but, uh, but ran away to North Korea. So here's the story. U.S. Army Private Travis King, age 23, willfully, again, so he's not forced, willfully and without authorization crossed the border into North Korean territory on Tuesday, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin told reporters. And you might be like, why would you do this? So regardless of the reason, it's going to be a bad reason. You don't want to be in North Korea. What are you doing? I can't imagine the, the torture, the punishments waiting for him because they probably think he's a spy. Anyways, apparently he faced two assault charges and was fined by a South Korean court for damaging a police car. He was being escorted back to the U.S. reportedly to face uh, disciplinary action. King, who joined the U.S. Army in January 2021, was involved in at least two separate episodes where South Korean police were brought in to intervene. In September 2022, King had a case settled after he was accused of punching a man in the face at a South Korean club. The following month, he was accused of acting aggressively toward police officers re responding to call about a fight, court documents show. According to the Messenger report, King missed his flight to Fort Bliss, Texas, to face further disciplinary action approximately 24 hours before North Korean authorities detained him. Anyways, he ran across the DMZ line, and then North Korea took him off in a van. And so, Stuart, I'm struggling to, to think of a reason I would run into North Korea. 
I don't know what the U.S. could do to me on the other end where I would have any thought of things being better in North Korea. Can, can you think of any reason you'd run into North Korea? Well, when you said this, I was like, did the guy fall in love or something? Like, was he chasing a girl? <laughs> That's what I thought, too, that, when I just saw, like, a headline. That's the only thing I could come up with. Because other, other than a specific person or a very specific thing to that country, why in the world would you go over there willingly? I can't imagine because I think North Korea is just going to torture you, beat you, kind of trying to figure out if you're a spy. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I just don't understand. Anyways, but I didn't think about it. Maybe if there was a lover in North Korea, maybe that could possibly be the case. But uh, White House is looking into it, trying to figure out, you know, is he alive? Is he okay? North Korea doesn't have the greatest human rights record. And and so anyways, uh, yeah, just some of my thoughts there. He didn't want to face discipline in the U.S., so his bright idea was to run. Uh, he ran. Uh, okay, here, here's a story. According to the report, authorities chased after King as he ran toward the zone be between South and North Korea's Conference Row before he ran north to... Panmungak. Panmungak, if I'm pronouncing that right. King then ran behind a Korean People's Army building, army building, before he entered a van driven by North Korean troops, according to the report. So anyways, I hope he's doing okay. I don't want him to be tortured. I don't want him to be beaten. Oh, but it's North Korea. They're, they're just terrible to so many people anyways those are the two news stories we'll have more for you on the other side and, and well we'll talk a little bit about the shooting of two birmingham firefighters rewards for any information we'll talk about that on the other side y'all stay tuned this is wxjc radio priority talk we'll be right back priority talk marketing can be overwhelming the marketing landscape is full of holes to lose your money. Stop trying to piece your marketing together. Start marketing with a purpose. Dot Edison Marketing is your full-service marketing partner. They are your business's outsourced marketing team. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at dotedison.com. Hi, Alabama. This is Robert Jeffers, Bible teacher on Pathway to Victory. Thank you so much for listening to Priority Talk with my friend, Greg Davis, right here on WXJC. Don't you count. Welcome back to the show. We're going to continue to talk about the news in this first hour. We're on from 5 to 7, so we have roughly an hour and a half more of the show to go. Uh, new rewards for information in shooting of two Birmingham firefighters drives total to $40,000. This is from AL.com. The amount of reward money continues to climb for information in the shooting of two Birmingham firefighters, one of whom died earlier this week. The U.S. Marshal Service and ATF 
on Thursday announced a $15,000 reward for information leading to the identity and capture of the suspect. Governor Kay Ivey earlier this week announced a $10,000 reward and Crime Stoppers of Metro Alabama has posted a $15,000 reward. The total reward money now stands at $40,000. The shooting happened eight days ago. Firefighter Jordan Melton, 29, died Monday. Firefighter Jamal Jones is recovering. The USMS has declared this a major case investigator and uh, is working with ATF and Birmingham police, said U.S. Marshal Marty Keeley. Uh, this was, this is just a heartbreaking story. How awful. I, goodness. Uh, let's see. I guess more information. Uh, a description of the suspect has not been released. Authorities previously appear to be looking for a silver Nissan Altima. Also Thursday, Birmingham Fire and Rescue Service said a public visitation for Melton will be held Tuesday, July 25th, from noon until 5 p.m. at Smith and Gaston Chapel on 6th Avenue South in Birmingham. A public viewing will be held Wednesday, July 26th, from 10 a.m. until noon. The funeral will be held at 12.17 p.m. Wednesday at Faith Chapel Christian Center on Mike Moore Boulevard with burial to follow at Elmwood Cemetery. Birmingham Police and Birmingham Fire and Rescue Service were called at about 8.30 a.m. Wednesday, July 12th, uh, where the firefighters had reportedly been, uh, oh goodness, shot in the chest and legs. At least one caller reported hearing shots and ran to take cover in the bathroom. This that's terrible. If you think about it, obviously we don't want our police officers to get shot. Right? We all can agree on that. We don't want anyone to get shot. We don't want citizens to get shot. Our police officers to get shot. But what sense does it make to shoot firefighters? I don't even understand. What is the thought process behind it? And uh, so with the police, again, I'm not, I'm very pro-police. I can understand someone wanting to shoot the police. Not, never agree with it, surely. Never. But to shoot firefighters... I don't understand. I, I, I really don't. But anyways, there's now a reward for $40,000 if there's anyone out there with information. So that's $15,000 from ATF, KIV, $10,000, $15,000 from Crime Stoppers of Metro Alabama. Oh, goodness. So, friends, let's be praying and reaching out as is appropriate to family the the local community jordan melton who passed away on monday and then uh jamal jones who is recovering so pray for his continued recovery and i, I just there's evil out there and i don't i don't get it but we just take a moment thank those who serve in public service entities whether that's police officers 
firefighters, soldiers. Uh, you hear it all the time from people in those uh, sectors that they know when they're called out uh, somewhere, they know it's the last time. It could be their last call, their last mission, their last day on the job, their last shift, whatever, however you want to describe it. And yet they go out every day and they serve, often vilified depending on their, the group they belong to. But there are a lot of incredible men and women who do so much to help communities, cities, states, the nation, and they're often not treated well. And that's awful. That is absolutely terrible. Uh, anyone with information is asked to call the U.S. Marshals Service at 1-877-WANTED-2 or to the ATF at 1-888-ATF-TIPS. Tips may also be submitted via the USMS Tips app. So let's let's do let's try to find this person, help families with closure because I hate to say it, but if this person or people don't don't know yet, I guess if they did it to two firefighters recently, what's to stop them from shooting more firefighters or anything along those lines? awful terrible things when we come back we'll talk a little bit about an opportunity for the church in america to serve in an incredible way don't go anywhere we'll be back with more news for you We want you to be a part of the show. Yes, you. To make comments or ask questions, call or text Priority Talk at 205-941-1011. And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like... We are live on this Thursday night. Call or text in 205-941-1011. For this next segment, we're going to kind of change gears a little bit, switch directions, and talk about autism. Now, there's a lot of information out there on our autism, and it's getting to the point where I really don't know what to believe. You have people like RFK Jr., that and others that want to link autism to uh, maybe vaccines. You have those who want to link autism to maybe having children at a, at a later age when parents are older. You have people talking about, well, it's a genetic thing, a hereditary thing, a uh, maybe all of the above kind of thing. It's getting to the point where I don't always know what to believe on this topic. And but but I do know one thing. I do know one thing. That this is a chance 
for the church to serve. I'll get that in a little bit. I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. But this is from uh, a lady named Jill from the Free Press. The autism surge, lies, conspiracies, and my own kids. And this author isn't particularly a fan of the whole theory of vaccines causing autism. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cover that. But she has one thing she says that is absolutely true is our desire to to take autism and kind of make it cute. Just kind of say, oh, look, it's it's the world that needs to change and understand. It's the world that needs to just make do and adapt. And, and partly that's true. We, we want to have a society that allows people with disabilities uh, to, to thrive. I'm all for that. But what it's turned into is something called toxic positivity, where someone with autism, they'll, they'll say that nothing's wrong. Absolutely everything's normal. And this mother of two autistic children is says hold on in more serious cases of autism that actually is very very harmful and uh, let's see uh, this is how she describes her two children one is named johnny i believe and one is named sophie today despite extensive therapies and specialized schooling both johnny 24 and Sophie, 17, remain nonverbal and profoundly disabled by autism. What does that look like? Well, the other day during our daily outing, Johnny found a tube of sunscreen in the car and rubbed it all over his shorts. Not exactly a good look, but undeterred, we entered the boba place for his favorite smoothie. Though I grasped the back of his t-shirt, he bolted out, and it's beyond my capacity to wrangle the 180 pounds of him back in. Once settled in the car, he bit on an armrest. Sophie, my cheerful, constant companion, has a joyful smile, and unlike Johnny, is so highly adaptable that she skis Tahoe's tallest mountains and will happily chill at any Grateful Dead tribute concert. But like her brother, she cannot talk, read, write, or grasp even the most basic of abstract concepts, not even family or weak or birthday. While young ladies her age are applying to college, she's still not sure how to brush her teeth or put on her socks. Her learning is stuck Groundhog Day level at a toddler level, excuse me, Groundhog Day-like at a toddler level. And there's been recently a movement uh, called neurodiversity where in this movement autism is reinvented as a natural difference to be celebrated not investigated prevented or treated and what this movement's done is it's helped spread a fairy dust of complacency over the autism world uh, let's see just going to examples uh, journals regularly pu publish papers by language policing neurodiversity advocates urging a purge of common or useful terminology like deficit or disorder so as to reduce supposed stigma associated with autism. Even the leading autism journal now suggests authors avoid ordinary terms like disruptive behaviors or challenging behaviors, saying the journal is uh, de decreasing the number of accepted articles focusing solely on weaknesses, problems, and deficits. And basically, it's kind of like a 
marketing change, a PR thing that says, hey, autism, nothing's actually wrong with someone who's autistic. It's a difference to be celebrated and we adapt and we, we support. And partly, I, I agree with that in minor cases. I've known autistic people. I've had dear friends who were autistic who were just subtly socially awkward. They could work. They could articulate. They could talk. There were some potential communication issues and maybe some emotional challenges and hurdles. But these autistic people were very minorly autistic. And when it comes to those situations, then sure. Let's be more disabled, uh, let's, let's be more inclusive and adaptive and flexible to incorporate those who are minorly autistic. But what happens is, as we do this PR campaign, neurodivergent campaign, what this does is it greatly affects those who want to find help and resources and a cure, uh, prevention uh, measures and healing measures for those who are extremely autistic. And I'll tell you some stories. So it's called like a, autism's called a gift or a superpower. It covers quirky people like Elon Musk, the singer Sia, or even elite athletes like Tony Snell. And uh, with them being autistic, if they are, well, wonderful. Let's, let's accommodate as we're able to. But there are those who have, uh, this is also in stuff like The Good Doctor, a drama about a genius surgeon with autism. Fine. But you probably don't see news coverage of adults like P, who must be helmeted to prevent brain injury from constant self-harm. Or even my friend, this is from the author, my friend Z, who will bounce around a restaurant stealing food from other diners' plates. Or teens like T, who has broken every window in his home using his head. There are those who are very, very difficult to, uh, to, to handle if, you, if you're a parent, those who are extremely uh, autistic. So there are those who have IQs below 50, nonverbal or minimally verbal. There's, uh, and the term is called profound autism. And so we want to just be careful that uh, when we handle this issue, yes, there are those who are very minorly autistic that's just fine. That's accommodate and work and be flexible and adapt. However, there are also those who uh, are severely autistic. We want to find treatments and cures and preventions and as we possibly can because there are parents of people in very difficult situation. These parents are faced with tough decisions as they get older. We'll get into that in a moment. And uh, well, let's make sure to not be toxic in our positivity and our desire to a good desire to incorporate those with disabilities let's also be very careful because there are those on the other end who need medical resources and money and attention paid to the extreme circumstances so that these situations can be made better we have a caller named ben ben welcome to the show i'm glad that you called in uh, what do you want to talk about um, well, I have autism, um, but it doesn't really, like, I don't let it get to me. That's wonderful. Like, bother me, yeah. 
That's why I'm, I'm glad to hear that, Ben. And like mm-hmm. I'm saying, uh, uh, I, I, it's wonderful that, that you're able to call in. And uh, I want everyone to be able to partake in as much as they can in society. We just have to be careful because there are those, particularly parents and families, uh, that, mm-hmm. that are in tough situations. And we want to be able to love and to serve them and not gloss over everything and make everything sound like th- like everything perfect does that make sense yeah yeah ben i'm i'm so glad you called in how are you doing ben good and um the last time i talked to you um i told you but i had a sweet 16 coming up yes you did uh, how'd that go mm-hmm. good i believe you told me if i remember correctly correct me if i'm wrong ben uh i okay. believe you told me that you were going to get a phone is that correct Yes. <laughs> uh, did did you get that phone? Yes. Wonderful. How is it? Do you like it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm I'm glad you got that mm-hmm. phone. And from the sound yeah. of it, you you had a good time at your sweet sixteen. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad to hear that, Ben. Uh, you have any mm-hmm. other future plans coming up? You gonna go anywhere? Do anything uh, in the in the near future? Any any plans for you? Um, I'm not sure. Not sure. Okay, Ben. Anything um, else you want to talk about? Um, where's Greg Davis t- tonight? Greg Davis, the last couple weeks, he's actually been in Israel, but he'll be back oh. on Monday. Yes, it's been, a, he's had a great time, Ben, and mm-hmm. I'm sure if you call in on Monday... He Mm -hmm. would love to talk to you about Israel. So I I don't know what your Monday plans are, but I'm sure if you call in Monday, ask him about his trip, any stories. Mm -hmm. I bet he'd love to talk about it with you. Okay. Um, What is he doing there? Do you know? He has taken a group of people, a decent sized group, and they're going Mm -hmm. around to different places inside of Israel, Jerusalem, Bethlehem Mm -hmm. and elsewhere, Sea of Galilee, uh, Jordan River. All those stories you hear in the Bible, Ben, particularly in the Gospels, he is Mm -hmm. actually going around and seeing those places in the Bible. Oh, wow. I know, right? Yeah. Man, I'd love to go one day. I think that would be exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ben, uh, again, I don't know your schedule, but I bet if you called in on Monday, he'd love to talk with you. Okay. Um, did, Did he take listeners from his show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His show and my show, uh, it's the same show, Priority Talk, Mondays through Fridays, 5 to 7, and so he'll be on during this time as well. Okay. All right, Ben. So uh, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no. (laughs) Ben, I love it when you call in, so make sure to call in again, okay? Okay, um... Am I am I the youngest caller that has called into pri- Priority Talk? I am not sure. Stuart, do, do you know oh. the youngest caller? The youngest that I can remember. Okay. Yes. Ben, so I think I'll echo that. You are the youngest caller that uh, that we can remember, and, and we're glad you call in. Yeah. All right, Ben, you have a wonderful day. Make sure to call in again, all right? Okay.
All right, Ben, talk to you later. We're very thankful. I love when Ben calls in. He had a sweet 16 that, from what I hear, went very well. And he, and he got a phone, a new phone. Speaking of which, my phone's kind of been glitchy. I could potentially, eh, I'll try to stick it out. But anyways, Ben, I hope you're having a good time. But going back to the article, that this is an opportunity for the church to serve. This is an opportunity for the church to serve because parents of people with autism, they're getting older. Autism has exploded in in recent times. And autism parents, as this article says, this is from Jill on the Free Press. Well, they can't, they're not going to live forever. And so I know a lot of parents of people with uh, extreme autism, those who are really struggling, and they don't know what what they're going to do as they get older and eventually they pass away. And as of now, we are woefully unprepared, this is the author Jill, uh, for the mounting demand for adult autism services. That as autistic children get older and then their parents get older, what's going to happen? What's going to happen as we lose autism parents? We lose nearly everything that makes life possible for every person disabled by autism. The housing provider, the 24-7 supervisor, the program manager, guardian, trustee, financial manager, benefits manager, advocate, cook, driver, high, high, Uh, housekeeper, launderer, medical supervisor, recreation provider, interpreter, iPad fixer, handyman, protector from abuse and neglect, and of course the main source of loving, uh, love and nurturing. It's the equivalent of more than a dozen jobs, if not more, plus jobs money can't pay for. What's going to happen is our adult Autism, and it doesn't have to just be autism. It could be other uh, disabilities. That we don't have the infrastructure to take care of uh, uh, people who are who are have these uh, extreme versions of various disabilities as their parents pass away. Not just pass away as they get older and they're not able to help. This is where I think, yes, there can be government programs and state programs, sure, but maybe the church can step in, give these parents who are worried, sick about their children, what are you going to do? You're you're not going to live forever, and you have this child that you love dearly, but that can't live on his or her own, what are you going to do? This can potentially be an opportunity for the church to love and to serve, be the hands and feet of Christ, to be the eyes of Christ, to see a need and to meet it. Look, we need answers that that we want to take care of those in all different walks of life, suffering from all sorts of different things. And, And like I said, there are those who are minorly autistic that, yes, they go through things, but they can kind of they can function on their own. But then there are those with extreme autism where that's much more of a struggle. Maybe the church can step up and meet needs in a very tangible way. What do you think? Call or text in 205-941-1011. We'll be right back. Priority talk. 
Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser, and that's Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment. 256-739-3337. That's Today's Family Dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment. 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry in downtown Coleman. Hey, this is Jeremiah Johnson, president of Christian Thinker Society. You're listening to Greg Davis with Priority Talk Radio on WXJC. I love this program. Thank you so much for tuning in. Here we go. We're going to the end of the first hour, but we have another hour for you coming up. I will welcome onto the show my senior pastor, Rev. John Richter from Coleman, and we'll talk about the future of the church broadly, a couple specific issues coming up, politics, pulpit, 2024, what will the church look like in a couple decades, all those things we'll talk about for our second hour. To close out the first hour, though, I'm going to continue the theme from the last segment, ways churches can serve the community. One, I talked about offering services to aging parents of those with uh, stronger forms, more extreme forms of disabilities, that as they get older, they're they're worried about what's going to happen to their children when they pass away. And rightfully so. They love their children, but they know they can't always take care of them forever. And so you're going to have uh, adults with disabilities, and, and, and they're going to need help to live and to function and to make sure that they're taken care of. Yes, the government can help, for sure, but I think the church really should, too. Now, on that, I was thinking, okay, what are some other ways churches can help? You have soup kitchens and food pantries, offering meals, offering food. That's wonderful. I've heard of churches starting, uh, I guess, uh, employing or I guess maybe from a volunteer standpoint, having mechanics at the ready in case uh, people in the community are struggling with uh, their car, the car's broken down. Some of them, uh, some churches have shops where people can take their car in and get them fixed up. Uh, that's another way. I think of uh, clothing closets where churches have coats and jackets and t-shirts, underwear, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, so, wow, that's great. There are prison ministries, dr drug rehabilitation services, counseling, that I think counseling is a great way for churches to serve, that as people struggle with anxiety and depression, that why not go to a church? We have to be careful if you're a pastor of being all things to all people. A lot of pastors aren't necessarily equipped for more uh, stronger, extreme cases, situations of trauma and abuse and mental illnesses, and so they have to refer out. But what about having a counselor on staff full-time or part-time? That seems like a good idea to me. 
AA, uh, CR, Celebrate Recovery, ministries like that. Uh, Let's see, what else? Uh, DHR type services, partnering with DHR for stuff. Uh, Local pregnancy centers, uh, partnering with clinics. And really, the sky is the limit. Uh, Creativity is the limit. What can you think of to serve? Because here's the thing. Yes, the gospel is first and foremost. Amen. All day long. Give me the Bible. I love it. But if we don't show the world that we genuinely care about those who are forgotten by society, the homeless, those in prison, those who have, uh, let's see, struggle with addictions, those in nursing homes, the unborn, if we don't show people that we genuinely love them, they're not going to listen to what we have to say about the gospel. No one's going to listen to you about the gospel if they are hungry and they need food. No one's going to listen about the gospel if they're out in the freezing cold. They're just trying to survive the night. As churches, one of the best ways you can share the gospel is through the love of Christ to those who are on the outside of society, those who are forgotten. And as you meet physical needs, oftentimes... That will open the door for people to to share their spiritual needs. If someone's out there in the cold and you say, here's a gospel tract, I'll see you later. I don't know how loving that is. If someone's hungry and you say, hey, uh, let me tell you about Jesus. uh, But then after that, see you later. Are they going to listen to the gospel? We need to meet all sorts of needs as best we can. As best we can physical and spiritual, mental, emotional as well. Coming up in the second hour, I welcome on to the show my senior pastor, Rev. John Richter from Coleman. We'll talk about the future of the church in America, some specific things, some general trends. It's a conversation you won't want to miss on the other side. This is WXJC Radio. Priority Talk. We'll be right back.